You should have heard Sebi last night on that. Oh, oh, and we are live, of course. Exclusive. <laughs> Welcome to the Gooners Podcast, episode six or series, season six, episode thirty. Because I'm counting each hour of the of the uh, the twenty four hour podcast as a separate episode. You know what the greatest thing about that entrance video? First, Andy does everything studios. He does everything except for anything not having done. Uh, you know, making that that video. We 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 can't find him here, and it's our five year anniversary today. Of the wow! And another thing, I was thinking where, of, where, it's, where, it's, where he asked an old Jewish drunk man on a plane if he wanted to podcast, and I said yes. I mean, that was five years ago this week. Uh, our Twitter account was set up five years ago today, and he can't be arsed to show up. I, and I got these three other guys. Also, he went through all that work to make that video, to add like pictures of Owen and 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 Mike. And then we went and added a fifth member to, on his ass. He's got to do it all over again. <laughs> I was just literally going to say it. <laughs> I hope there's no photos of me floating around social media that are of the quality that would make it into that video. Well, well I can trust you. There, there's, them. You know we already use a particular photo for you. So Yeah, there's pictures of Jared out there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yes, this is, uh, th this is the first of many probably anger casts, um, giving up casts, uh, Mike, Mike hers tells us everything's going to be all right casts. Um, and, uh, and Jared actually spits some knowledge casts, but, uh, but welcome, welcome back to the Gooners podcast. We're, we're settling back into our normal routine, which is uh, Monday evenings at 10 miserable and without Andy. Um, so, uh, so yes, happy five-year anniversary to anybody that's been watching us since the very start. I don't know, Mikey, if you fall in that category, if you picked us up a little uh, bit, in, but maybe like episode like five or six and yeah, but, I mean, you, you know, very no close episode yeah. one or two. I mean, that, that's literally, okay. it, it was probably when, 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 when we got Danny to actually admit that, uh, that we were a good podcast that most people came on, but, well, but he uh, admitted to you guys were a podcast. I don't remember the good part. Well, that's all we sure. needed. That's all we yeah. needed. It, it, and um, in case anyone's wondering, um, ask people support support our. So I, I'm scaling <laughs> back game. a little bit, and and I, I'm <laughs> I'm now going to profess my love because I think this team is better run, more fun than Arsenal is right now. So um, so Sutton United. Who, who's that Sutton? Oh, I th I thought you were entering a lookalike competition for their goalkeeper. <laughs> now <laughs> look, we, uh, we we have a, a special something the two of us. We we uh, we hang out frequently, but. Uh, uh, but he's way too light for me. 
I, I'm, I'm a couple stone heavier than he is, and and, it, and it's always been that way. So, um, but uh, but yeah, man, Sutton till I die. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is I only have to keep that on this on for like another week or so. The, the all or nothing on Sutton is going to be sweet. It, it's it's, it's going to be, be amazing. epic. Um, yeah. So what, what's funny about this is we're where we're sort of talking backstage before the podcast and explaining to Jared that we we often have a sort of loose idea of of whoever's hosting the podcast has a loose idea of some of the topics that that they'd like to cover. And and obviously this week is uh, is my turn to host. And and to be honest with you, when I went to put some pen to paper, I just couldn't write down any particular topics because I think that the situation at Arsenal as a whole and that Brentford game completely align. And I think that feelings are too raw, that emotions are too heightened, and 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 that views are so intensified at the minute that it's going to be hard to actually sit and and just go along by a, a script so i think what i'll do to start is <clears throat> if i put my feelings across in a bit of a monologue and then we can open it up from there and we can just dissect whatever you think is worth dissecting and um, can we do for, one quick thing first though um and i and, told and, you i'd show you it after it's it's this, not big uh, oh I, I yeah sorry. quick not small oh uh, sorry i do want to thank thank him for bringing this up um if in fact the same old arsenal podcast is truly and well over and and you know I don't doubt that it is, but but you know I I know kind of the history of of the stops and starts with it, and completely understandable the whole way through. They the same old Arsenal podcast started shortly after ours did, probably a few months, if not even maybe four or five months after. But it was a kind of a, just a continuation or rebirth of 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 Craig's Saint the Gooner Talk channel before you know before Tom took it over and made it his own. Um, so you know Craig and 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 his friends Mems and. And, and judges and Dan and everybody else that's been on that podcast are just, I mean, they do an amazing job. They aren't one thing or another. They're not AFTV. They're not toxically positive. They're not anything. They're just people who love the club. And so, you know, obviously the people that are on that podcast will and continue to be on, but uh, we just wanted to say thank you uh, for the great podcasting that they've done. And, you know, we're happy to accept anyone that might be looking for something to do on Monday nights. Uh, you know, you never know. But uh, but thanks, Kim, for bringing that up. And and indeed, uh, hope Craig and the rest of the boys are doing well. So in long, in short, really, we're getting rid of Hertz now and we're going to get Craig or somebody in. <laughs> I don't uh, think that's exactly <laughs> the, what that's being what I heard. for here. But uh, okay. <laughs> no, no. It's I'm the hair. The max. We, we, it's we, the hair. I feel like you feel threatened. We're, we're like uh, Arsenal now during the transfer session. If we're going to add one, we got to get rid of one first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, speaking of, so as I said, I think I'll just throw my feelings out there and then we can start to dissect bits and pieces from it. Okay, so <laughs> to be quite frank, I'm really, really annoyed. I thought that this feeling would probably subside like it normally does. I'd be quite, I wouldn't say irrational, but I'd be quite emotional when it comes to, to defeats and stuff like that. But this one just hasn't gone away and I tell you why because this club at the minute just seems to be an absolute free fall complete free fall on and off the pitch we're seeing stuff like uh, Edu on holidays still uh, stuff going out during the Brantford game like Lucas Torreira on holidays posting stuff up on just an absolute lack of respect and that's before we even get onto the pitch what I seen from Arsenal against Brantford 
wasn't just a uh, it's the first game of the season it was a this is a continuation of exactly what i have been seeing for 19 straight months no style one-dimensional in terms of the way that we're trying to build up play a style of play that doesn't suit the personnel that we have involved within our squad um uh, a lack of adaptability from the manager um is uh backroom staff to me seem like they aren't up to the task of even questioning him he seems to have surrounded himself with a bunch of yes men we now have our two most experienced players seemingly sick and, and unavailable for not only this game but the next game too which i'm not buying that at all and now we look at the fixtures that we have coming up in in we have Man City, Chelsea and Spurs within the next five fixtures. And to me, I expect within the first five fixtures that we would probably be sitting bottom of the table and I would be surprised if we'd even scored one goal. And people said last year, Arteta needs a transfer window. Now he's, he has had three. Arteta needs a pre-season. We've seen the pre-season. We were shocking during pre-season. There's been nothing done to rectify the shortcomings of that we've seen in the last 19 months. And, and at the end of the day, when he took that um, promotion to manager, he took some of that their responsibility regarding transfers and recruitment. Now, the last point before we can sort of start to dissect what I've gone through as well is, is, is that people say transfer window isn't over yet. And even Mikel Arteta and Edu, it has come out from the club, judge us at the end of the window. Yet we're seeing an arrogance, a level of arrogance. And I hold nothing against Mikel Arteta personally as a person. But... We're seeing a level of arrogance from somebody who is massively inexperienced coming out and, and trying to speak as if he's some sort of veteran of the fucking football, uh, veteran of the game. To me, he's somebody that I don't think has the ability to turn it around, never mind being likely to turn it around. And I think what we're doing is we're kicking the can down the road. And for me, we mentioned that I'm not going to I'm not going to go into politics here. I'm just using this as an example. Okay, today in society, I think the, the, there's two extremes for everything. We've got the political left and the p- political right here, as both as extreme as the other. I also think that that is the case with our fan base. Yes, you have whatever YouTuber you want to name that will go on and personally abuse the manager, but you've also also got deluded people that go on and are so positive that you can't even call the manager into question otherwise your fandom is questioned and i think those people are just as harmful as <laughs> and, i'm kidding no but mike mike hurts isn't one of these people mike is I'm, rational no, and explains his point but for me now it's getting to the point where this isn't sustainable it's just not and and the the most common thing that people throw across now is is that well, who else is going to come in? Who else are we going to get to come in? That does not save somebody from being fucking sacked, okay? If, if there's a Catholic priest that has fucking paedophilic charges filed against him, I'm not going to let him babysit my children just because there's no other option out there. You know, just don't be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> what a it's, parallel. It's a, you forgot yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you speaking about extremes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But uh, no, and now I'm going to fucking throw it over to you because to me, I'm looking on and I'm saying, our owners are clueless, okay? We've went and we've spent 50 million on Ben White, who seems to be a good player, but if that seems to be the, uh, the hindering our, our other business and priorities like central midfield, Granit Xhaka was fucking wearing the captain's armband when a couple of weeks ago he was openly saying he wanted to go to Rome. This club's an absolute turmoil. Where do you boys sit with it? And, and how the fuck do we claw our way out of this absolute mess? We don't. 
um, anytime soon. I mean, it's it's gonna get believe it or not, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Uh, because yeah, judges at the end of the window. We have we we're now painted into a corner where with 15 days, everybody knows that we are freaking out. We have no plan. We can't get rid of players. Any new players that we're gonna buy are are never gonna agree to come to this shit show. So I mean, it, it, there there is no ability to act on our plan. And 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 how can you blame anyone else for that? But Arteta and I do. I mean, you, look, you can play in Kroenke, but again, Kroenke is the is the the thing that isn't changing. You can go there, you can go there all you want, and and I'm not telling you not to or or, or to, and nor would you listen to me if I did. You can go there all you want before the game on Sunday, and 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 raise as much noise as you can. He's not going anywhere, so that's not going to change. It has to change completely from kind of underneath and then from the top back down again. And um, and this might end up being the season that just makes. I mean, we thought it was bad in fifteenth place at the beginning, you know, in, in December or, or you know late November last season. I don't know that we'll be below fifteenth place, but it's going to be a kind of a joke as to as to, to how it goes. And I, I just don't see any other way around it. Which means we are going to beat Chelsea. We're gonna we're gonna draw Man City, and then uh, you know, and then lose to Norwich in the in the, in the following game. It's just. I, I can see that. I, I share your frustration. <laughs> so, but I just I, I can't let it affect my day to day life. I'll just move on to to my favorite league two team. But it, it's funny, lads. I'm one of you two can jump in on this here. I want to care because something that we always hear is that our our squad is shite and that our players are, you know, below the standard set. <clears throat> but I'm sorry. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang or Alexander Lacazette weren't exactly on hot form going going into this season, you know, and and many people were were crying out for the likes of Gabriel Martinelli and Fowler and Balogun to get a run out for Sambi Lekonga to start in midfield, Kieran Tierney in in left-back, Callum Chambers in right-back. These are players that people wanted and and, and players that many, many, many people have defended to me saying that they're, they're good enough for the club. But yet different players and the same problems with the same system. Am I right in turning around and saying now that this seems pretty transparent, that this is a tactical issue from the manager and, and maybe not just as much a personnel issue maybe as we originally thought? I mean, I think, yeah, there's stubbornness on both sides. You either have players that don't want to adjust to fit the system we want to play, and at the same time, you have a manager who's not willing to adjust his system to fit the players he already has. And it looks like neither side's willing to move on that. I mean, Aubameyang and Lacazette are to the point they're not even participating. And the idea that they're sick is, you know, laughable on its face. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm sure if they get moved this week, they'll be in training day after tomorrow, wherever they go. So I think it's just both sides aren't willing to budge at all. And you're in a tough spot. You're, you're two captains that kind of the faces of the team the last three or four years are the two guys who are kind of freezing themselves out for lack of a better term and I think Arteta's shown in his entire time here both in his team selection his tactics just his mentality as a person is he's relatively stubborn I don't see him folding to Aubameyang and Lacazette um, you know if you've got a superstar player who has some real clout you know maybe they can get away with that to some degree and, and kind of pressure a manager but you've got a 30 something striker who's off form you know why would Arteta bow down to that? I mean, he, he really doesn't offer anything when he's in the lineup. So why would he bow down to our, to Aubameyang now? You know, he's not going to make any impact if he comes on. Um, while I know a lot of people were pretty critical of Fowler and Balogun in the opening game, 
you know, Mike comment was, if you take him out and put Aubameyang in that spot, does the game look any different against Brentford? And I would say it absolutely does not. You know, you can only, as a striker, you need service. You need somebody who can get the ball at your feet. And we don't have people that can do that. So if you have the the best, you know, team to, to build it up, you know, we have some guys who can be effective. But when they're not getting the ball, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. So it's a strange situation. I think we need to move out at least one of the strikers because right now I don't see either side, you know, kind of budging or going forward to, to meet in the middle at all. I just don't think that's going to happen with us. By the way, John, John, uh, a, a new listener to the podcast. Uh, this I, I love the guy. Uh, there's a picture for everything. I, I just want to show you that you know you, you can't make a comment like that and then and then not expect to get a picture. Uh, <laughs> so, oh God, look at that hair, by the way, and the 44 chins that I have. Much I'm making him look like a stud. So yeah, uh, there, there's some background. But Mikey, um, hi, you haven't had a chance to talk yet <laughs> because of me. <laughs> No, no, no worries, dude. Uh, I'm. You guys brought up so many different points, and and I'm gonna try to, you know, throw throw some some my own thoughts in here. Like as far as the transfer window goes, uh, Owen brought up the the fact that he's disappointed in in the transfer business we've done so far. So, look, I I kind of see that as a a double edged blade in the sense that I I'm kind of happy with the players that they have brought in until like the actual squad that they bring it in because all the positions are necessary. I am not content in the, in the sense that I don't think we have exactly what we need yet. So there are other players like, you know, center midfielder. I was really big on that. Obviously the Shaka thing happened. So that looks a little bit less likely the right back situation. Look, I, I can't turn around and, and this is, I know unpopular because a lot of people were like their idea is we'll just fucking sell them. It's not that easy. Like if, if we're thinking about Bellerin, who who came out allegedly made a statement saying, or Arnstein broke the the news today, saying that he's willing to like even take a pay cut to leave. Please understand that. I kind of tweeted about this. You guys think Chambers isn't good? He's our starting right back. He's keeping Cedric out, who is keeping Ainsley out, who is apparently keeping Tavares out. And then we arrived to Bellerin, and that's who we're trying to sell. He's not exactly hot fucking property going into this summer. I, and I'm, I'm not trying to crap on the player, but he's not hot property right now, right? Willock, he took advantage of a loan. You know, his 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 uh, value went up. There was somebody that wanted to buy him. We're looking at Nelson. Unfortunately, he just did not want to go out on loan last Mike is getting all the love with the Sun. Well, now because the Sun United bloggers are in the house watching. Oh, that is absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> love those guys. <laughs> he so Nelson refused to go out on loan. Unfortunately, he he couldn't showcase show some value. So I just I don't think that like Arsenal not being incapable of selling players this season, this summer, excuse me, makes us special in any way. If you look at Chelsea. They've only managed to move Tammy, who is young, bred, full of potential. There's there's clubs well, they, out they there. They moved the guy who was young and had absolutely no potential because no one knew what he was. Or I guess he was all potential. They moved him to Palace for twenty plus million. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well played, well played. Yeah, the, the the most I've I've heard is apparently he he um, showcased well in, in champions in the championship, and apparently that that caught him some praise, but. Matsuashi is about to lose. I mean, they, they don't need to move players on, though. That's the problem. They don't care if they got a bloated lineup. They just they'll just play the best, keep bringing in players to get in their way, and 
store but, the rest of them. And, so, you know, that's, so that's what I'm saying. Like, so, so Chelsea managed to move two players on. Liverpool, to my knowledge, hasn't moved anybody on. To my knowledge, they want to – like Manchester City is allegedly wanting to move um, Bernardo Silva on. No buyers. Liverpool, I haven't seen them move anybody on. Manchester United – these look, Manchester United, and I know this, I know this because um, I, I'm, I also support Milan. They have a right back that was loaned in Milan, Delat. Oh, average right back, right? Man United asked, apparently, if I'm going based on reports, asked them for three mil. And even at three mil, Milan said, get fucked. We're going to go loan a player. So it's not that easy is all I'm saying. I just don't think the inability to sell players is a, a, a good stick to bash the club with, is, is all I'm going to say on that end. But I... I, I agree. I agree with you that in a vacuum, that shouldn't be our biggest gripe with them right now. But it, it is—it's just another symptom of you know. Again, I don't look for sticks to bash the club with. I, I look for—I look for things to to try to find something bright to to look forward to, or I just ignore them and stick my head in the sand, my giant head in the sand. Uh, but the uh, the inability to sell players, I think. It, it, we're trying to sell players that we maybe could have sold at one point completely just devalued or let them devalue their own. It's just another clown car thing along with so many other clown car things that Ainsley Maitland Niles, we could have let go for, you know, up to 20 million last season. Me saying that we shouldn't because I actually thought we were going to play him and not freeze him out. Um, And now we can't get rid of him for, you know, for tuppence. And, um, you know, have and to there's so many other examples of that. I mean, I just – I do think we're worse at it than everybody else, but I also agree that, you know, this isn't the greatest summer for, you know, for, for getting top money for mediocre talent, and, you know, we've just really missed the boat on that. Owen, are you back with us? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what I was just saying. My internet's been playing up a little today, so uh, I'm sorry. Can we go back I, to when uh, you had an cutter. incredible echo? You were, like, in an yeah. echo chamber? and, and <laughs> Oh, yeah, just an like empty Kind of like you were podcasting from Westminster Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, then no uh, no but I, I i don't want to i don't want to cover stuff that maybe you just covered while i was absent there but my uh, i caught caught drift that you're obviously talking about the inability to to move players on in this window and how that might impact but for me when you look back okay right we can have the argument whether the cronkies are very good owners and we can have the argument whether Edu has been efficient in moving on or bringing in players but for me, the simple fact is, is 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 that this team that we have at the minute, regardless of what you think of them in this current form, are far, far better than, than what we are seeing on the pitch at the minute. Like, for example, the fact that it has been consistent through different variations of players, the fact that when we pick the ball up, it, it's immediately shifted out to the wing, put the crosses into whichever striker is there, tells me that that is systemic instruction. And to me, it didn't look like a bunch of players who were who were poor or, or who were were bad. Stop laughing at me, my English mic. Um, but it, it looked like a team who were carrying out bad instructions from, from, from a novice manager. You know, it seemed to me like, the, for example, their high press or high press got us in trouble at times. That caused us absolute devastation in pre-season, um, mainly the, the Spurs game. I think we were absolutely torn to shreds because we were trying to overcommit to a press too high. Uh, it's just 
like I said, the Cronkies, okay, and Mike Feinberg, maybe this as uh, somebody who knows a fair bit about business, I I would assume. Um, it must kill you but, to say that every time you say <laughs> kills me. To, kills people to admit that I know something about something. But they always know, say yeah, with yeah. hesitancy. You, you notice that, Mike? You're yeah. like, ah, you look like a guy. Yeah. No. Hey. No. Come on. No. That's just never mind. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so the Cronkies. All right. We talk about the Cronkies as bad ownership, and I'm not defending them here. I'm just. I'm just genuinely putting the point across and asking the question. When you own a business, if you're quite open to the fact that you're no expert of that business or that field, and you hand the reins over to somebody and say, look, you obviously know much more about this industry and I'm willing to put trust in you to, to run it accordingly. Now, now we spend 50 million on Ben White, 25 million on Gabriel, 27 million on William Saliba, 25 million on Kieran Tierney. The list goes on. You know, you've you've got a a front three there with seventy odd million for Nicola Pepe, sixty million for Aubameyang, fifty for Lacazette. The money's being spent. Can that blame fall at the feet of KSE, or is it just an, a, the inability from the people that they employ to get the best out of those asset assets that have been required? Like, is that KSE's fault, or or does the blame lie solely at the people who are carrying out the day to day activities at the club? Well, it, ne it never will lie solely on the people who are carrying out the day-to-day -day because those people are, are judged uh, to be sufficient and and skillful by KSE. I mean, the buck stops at the top. Um, the thing that, that your question is a great one and just made me think like, like there's a difference between a public company and a private closely held company. Public company shareholders owned by, you know, dozens to, to thousands to hundreds of thousands of people, ultimately you get a market expert who's, you know, who, who knows the business that that's being brought in. They're compensated incredibly well and their one job and their one performance, uh, you know, the, the one arbiter of how they're performing is ultimately the share price of the stock, which is based on results and, and, and potential and that sort of thing. But this is not that. This is a closely held business. And I deal in my work with a lot of closely held businesses where you have one owner, you have two partners, it's a family business passed through the generation, something like that. And in those situations, it is extremely rare to have ownership not somehow involved in leadership. Like, I mean, they're either the founder of the company, so the company was their idea to begin with. That's not the case with Arsenal. Or they are, you know, they're, they're heavily involved in the business and they own the business because it's an area that, you know, whether it's construction or or manufacturing or or service business it's, it's something that they're familiar with so we're already in a weird place when it comes to you know an american owner with a history in real estate who marries someone who has a history in retail through their family who decides to dabble in sports and by dabble i mean spend billions of dollars on five actually maybe closer to eight or nine sports franchises uh none more historically unique than arsenal um so we're already at a deficit as are some other clubs where we're where we're basically closely owned but we're just a business that, that that's a portfolio asset to him he doesn't know anything about the business about the concept about the most importantly the uh the culture uh of of football so you've at least got to do and, and john henry is the same way 
John Henry might know a little bit about about sports, and I don't know what his history is as to how he became the owner of the Red Sox. He did a great job there, but you know, Henry John Henry's consistently put people in charge who have succeeded. Cronkies have done the exact opposite. I mean, they they can't get out of their own way with the people. I mean, the the, the revolving door. When we spoke to Josh in Denver a couple of summers ago. He was, I mean, he stuck his chest out and he was flanked by Vinay on one side and Raul on the other side and his 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 legal and kind of PR person, Mark Ganella and and um, and and Tomego on the other sides. And that was the team. And they had finally assembled the team. And Adu was on his way in and and, and in September he was gonna start. And and we're you know, and, and Unai's our guy. <laughs> that was two years ago. Um, that was two years ago. So I you know, look, I, I the fact that I kind of throw my hands up and say, this is just a shit show. I am not going to worry about it every moment of every day. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this ruin my life is for self-preservation. It isn't because I don't think people are destroying this football club. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's because I think that they are, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know that any one thing, whether it's, you know, not showing up to a seat you've paid for, whether it's showing up outside the place, whether it's not buying, you know, whether it's buying other clubs <laughs> merchandise <laughs> that, that fits way too tight, even though it's a 5XL. Thank you, uh, Gandermonium, for, for warning me after I bought it. But, like, I, none of those one things are going to work. The, the thing that's going to work is is yet to be determined, and it's going to be when Kroenke decides he's he's bored of of having this portfolio asset. And I don't see that coming anytime soon unless Daniel Ek comes in and literally offers him $5 billion. Right. And, and I think a lot of it too is our perception of what the goals are as fans is completely different than what the goals are of KSE and the Cronkies. Their goal is to have an asset that continues to, to grow in value year to year. So in that regard, they look and at it. I'd love as, for it to be a successful one, but eh, not so Yeah, much. right. But that's secondary for them. So as long as it continues to grow in value, they don't have a problem with the management structure because it's doing, it's accomplishing their goals. It's continuing to gain in value, which of course it's always going to. You're a Premier League team in London it's always going to go up and up and up. So on their end, there's no real push for them. Like they, I don't think they really care if, if we make the same amount of money relatively, I don't think they care if we win trophies or we finish 10th. Like the bottom line is what matters on their end. They're not fans in the same way that all of us are fans. As far as what Super we need to League do. Super League is a great example of that. I mean, they, exactly. They weren't, they weren't going to enter the Super League to win it. They were going to enter <laughs> it to be safe in it. Yeah. See, that's if someone says, "When are we going to stop being a mid-table team?" That's when. When we're a bottom-level team in the in the Super League, that's when. <laughs> and protected but, from ever but, falling but, off. Yeah, but hurts as somebody who's really positive, and you three forgive me, and and people in the chat forgive me because I do get quite wound up when it comes to stuff like this and I probably won't wind down before the end of the show. <laughs> so but I'm, I'm really like inter- break itself. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> uh, but as somebody that who's positive happen. I know, yeah, no, disclaimer. Um as somebody who's quite positive and and, and maybe has a bit more patience than say someone like me, how what is your view on the club and Mikel Arteta at the minute? Are you happy to stick with stick with it? Am I overreacting? Is the fan base overreacting? Um, so on that Teta thing, it, look, it's it's really funny how like people kind of pigeonholed me to to a, a Arteta in, and and I I abs- I want to say and, and I've said this on multiple podcasts, I absolutely hate these these like how people brand fans. 
you're like, oh, you, you don't like him. You call him a cunt and you're up that out. You defend like a game where there was like a bad penalty. For fuck's sake, you're deluded. You're at that end. Look, I I try to look at the most positive things, but I, I've noticed that there's a sway with certain fans where like everybody that wanted Wenger to like leave, like for fuck's sake, just fucking leave. They threw their support at Emery. No matter fucking what, Emery was the GOAT. And when he got fired... Fuck this new dude. And I'm sitting here like, man, you know, I'm I'm fucking heartbroken that Wenger had to leave because of the way it ended. Emery came in. Let's fucking go, boys. Let's hopefully hopefully this shit picks up. I, I really do feel like the locker room took a shit on him. And so I was bitterly disappointed on that. And when when the locker room takes a shit on the manager, that's for me, it's a clear indication where there's no coming back to that. Right? Because you can't replace every single player. Atleta came in, again, me. Let's fucking go, boys. Let's make this work. So that's kind of my perspective when it comes to supporting. I really don't give two shits whether I wanted one person to stay. Look, man, people at, they, they keep on floating the idea of Conte out, right? If you give me the opportunity, I'll replace Arteta myself with Conte. He's a great manager. But that's not the conversation we're having. I just support the guy because he's there. He's, he's in charge of Arsenal FC. So I wish Arsenal to do the best. So... I, I just want to – I'm going to throw that out there that I'm not completely and utterly married to Apeta. So Yeah, and, we, and that, we know that. But as your as your, as your your public persona grows as it has through your affiliation with the greatest yeah. podcast that now move – actually, now we've moved into the number six slot. Yeah, um, no, Burke and Wonderland have been really good up. with me. Yeah, yeah, but but you're, you're absolutely right. And knowing you as long as I've known you, that that's absolutely the case. You, you are not driven by, you know, uh, by defending an opinion – until it's indefensible or is proven correct, you're just about trying to find the the best possible thing to discuss about the about what we have, which I think is is why you and I are tend you know tend to be more of the, the you know the, 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 the positive <laughs> wing. I, yeah, I, I I don't know enough about Jared to know where he falls in that, so I'm just going to call him a centrist. Owen and Andy are the negative Nellies uh, of the podcast. Mike and I tend to be on the opposite side. So, Jared, you're you're uh, you're centrist by de- by default until you right. prove yourself otherwise. So, I just, mean, I just, feel like that's not far off reality. To be honest, that's pretty but, much where I fall on most of this stuff. But it's not an opinion so much on like the club. I mean, I could rant for an hour and a half about what's wrong with the club if that if I thought that would make me feel good. So, so I mean, I have I have two separate questions, and I'm doing what I do, which is I, I start to take over the podcast. <laughs> Do please, because my internet may go out again. So you, so so go ahead for that. Oh, and I promise I was trying to answer your question, Jared. Uh, (laughs) I missed that. So, oh, and my question for you is like, 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 how do you process this stuff? Because I mean, like, 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 you, you are certainly it's on your mind. You seem weighed down by it, and and so many people do seem weighed down by it. Like, at what point? Do you, are you like, I just, I mean, do you say I've got to just turn this off? I'm going to turn off Twitter. I'm going to not watch Arsenal. Or do you just say, you know what? I need to find a different way to consume this. That isn't going to, you know, where my expectations aren't constantly let down. And I just, cause that's where I float to like the soppy, oh my, you know, at least we still have each other, which is the title <laughs> of this podcast. Cause, cause it's really the only thing I can think of right now that's going well. And so that's no. what I want to focus on. So that the I'm final whistle of a horrible defeat. Podcast now. That's no, no, but genuinely, podcasting group talk. Podcasting does help. And to be honest with you, 
I, people say that about disconnecting and about maybe taking a step back and not being so invested in 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 the club or the games or the results. But I just don't have that in me. I've supported this club since before I can remember religiously, and and I'll support it till the day I die religiously in the way I do. And yes, I get worked up, but it comes from <clears throat> it comes from quite an honest place. The reason I'm angry is because it means a lot to me, um, and. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm I'm sick of and I've never seen this before. And and don't get me wrong, I think the people like yourself and Hertz being positive, I absolutely love it because I'm just not that type of person. And um, I think especially over here between Ireland and England and the UK in general, we're all quite sort of pessimistic. We're we're quite miserable little people. And <laughs> but, but 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 look, here's what I don't like. I think that on Twitter especially, like I mentioned about these far right positive people, uh, or, or sorry, far far like far lefty positive people. If you want <laughs> I was going to say, I, I see that as more of a left thing than a right. Yeah, thing. yeah, That's yeah. Way thing. left, okay. And and there's certain people in particular that I see this on a weekly basis, and it's it's once anybody puts up any type of criticism about uh, about the manager, about Edu, about KSE, about a player, whoever it is and they throw it out there, that they're instantly attacked for any kind of negative criticism on the club whatsoever. It's fall in line, support the club, shut up, and 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 let them get on with it. And that's just not the way I feel that should be supported. Like, we're, how do you feel about this? Like, something I've seen was there's a, there's a protest or apparently being organised outside the stadium for the Chelsea game. The amount of fucking ignorant assholes that I've seen turning their noses up people going and it's like no offense and mike you'll know that i made mean this in the right way i am a fan who i understand how much it costs to go to games and everything but i see people doing it. it's like mate you're not even fucking there these people are spending thousands on season tickets every year making the journey to the stadium every week they've got the right to be pissed off as much as anybody they're investing their time and their fucking life into this and something that that that, that matters so much to people myself included is being dragged through the fucking mud at the minute by people who, from what I can see, have absolutely no idea what they're doing. You know, we talked about Mikel Arteta and Edu about this. The, the, or we have our plan in place um, before the transfer window starts. And and in the words of Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. You know, and for me, something that really gets on my nerves is uh, something my boss told me, my first ever boss, um, when I started working. And he said to me, excuses are for fucking failures. Excuses are for failures. I don't want excuses. I want results. And at this point in time, I'm just hearing too many excuses and too yeah. many things being dragged into the reason why we're failing and, and, and not remedies to correct the mistakes that we've been making for years. And don't get me wrong, my 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 feelings and the reason I process things the way I am or, or try to process things is about self-preservation more than it is a viewpoint on Arsenal. It's just, it, it's just, I gotta... I gotta, I gotta be focused on things that make me happy. I can't dwell on this stuff, and that's just. And 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 I agree with you about, you know, the number of people who call out those who are expressing their anger. There is an opposite side to that, and a come uh, and a uh, you know a. Um, oh, absolutely! There's that, always two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. There's criticizing the and there's mediocrity. There's criticizing and there's insulting. And and that I think people that's what I don't like. It's it's done in this right. derogatory derogatory manner. 
in yeah. which they oh, they almost look down as if to say, what are you talking about? You know nothing. And it's like, I'm not talking about, let's fucking throw the name out there, legal honor, for example, going out and personally insulting, using from time to time racial slurs to describe uh, our football manager. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about dragging into questions, team selection, tactics, genuine constructive yeah. criticism. Well, and, I'll, and I'll throw some names into this because these are friends of mine who I happen to d- deal with things differently, but they but yet that they remain friends of ours who we, who we have an active debate. My friend Russell Hogg, Hoggy, uh, Dan Potts. Uh, these, are, uh, these are guys that I can't wait to get over to England and, mm-hmm. and, and just drink with and hug at the pub and just, just spend time with because I enjoy their company so much. And, and I know how, how much they love the Arsenal, um, you know, and we get into debates sometimes like, you know, look, just just don't cross the line where you're where you're where you tell me that I'm less of a fan or because or, or, or don't support the club or don't care enough. And they're sensitive to this because I choose not to, you know, rant and rave in, in the public manner and 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 that sort of thing. I, I, I want my love for Arsenal to be something that makes me happy. And even when it doesn't make me happy, I'll try to focus on what can. Then I'm like, as long as you can agree not to, not to to single me out or those like me as being lesser than, I will, you know, not. I'll try not to single you out for 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 spinning your wheels in my mind or or dealing with something in a different way than I would deal it, deal with it. And and you're right. There's a difference between abuse and wanting change and 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 some there are always people who are going to be on the front lines of trying to make change happen and there are going to be people who sit back and and uh and and want it to happen but deal with it in a different way and maybe that makes me weak or or more accepting of mediocrity but it's it's uh, it's not it's not at all and something and any any of the listeners can do this on any of the shows that we we do and apart from maybe the odd sort of joke or hint to sarcasm we never call any person or their character into question uh, in terms of them as a person not as a footballer we'll talk about their ability their decisions their manner in which they conduct themselves on the pitch but we never take any of them into question all right and what i'm saying is and i always say this is i like Mikel arteta <laughs> exactly point proven i like Mikel arteta i think he's a nice guy i think his his, his intentions are are probably in the right place and um, most likely the same with it too. But what I'm saying is, is say, for example, my mum, all right, she's a lovely woman, but I wouldn't let her perform open fucking heart surgery on me. Why? Because she's not qualified or experienced enough to do the job required. And that's what I'm saying about these people. And 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 the one thing I would base that on is, is the last 19 months, the manner in which we have conducted ourselves. And, and something that's really frustrating me, and Jared, I'll throw this over to you, all right? People are talking about, like, there being no alternatives. Oh, there's no other manager out there. Do you really think that, that's uh, for, for a laugh, I'll say this, because I know this one winds people up. Do you think Graham Potter does a worse job with Arsenal, this current side, than Mikel Arteta? I mean, I'm not sure that he does any better. I mean, when you talk about replacing the manager, it's easy to say we're not happy with the way things are going. Get this guy out. But in order to do that, what I don't want to see happen is we boot him out the door without a transition plan in place where we've got, okay, I guess Freddie Youngberg is going to take over for a few games and we'll just see what happens because we've seen that that's not a super successful way to go about it. If we're going to sack Arteta, you kind of have to look at three things. You have to have a manager that, one, is currently available. There's a lot of those. 
Two, someone who's willing to come to your team, slightly less of those available. And three, someone that's better than what you currently have. It's really easy to find a long list of guys that fill one or two of those out. It's a little bit difficult to find someone who fills all three. You look at Graham Potter. Is he available? Questionable. You know, he's currently in a job. He may leave for Arsenal, obviously, but isn't a free agent by any means. Is he willing to come here? Yeah, probably. Is he better than what we have? You know, I don't know. I think the two years before he went to Brighton, they finished like 15th and 17th. And the two years he's been there, they finished like 15th and 16th. So, I mean, he took over a struggling team and they're still a struggling team. Now, people say, well, with the eye test, they look better and, and this and that. And that may be true, but, you know, the eye test doesn't put points on the board. So, you know, if he can't drag them up, how is he going to drag up our team that already has arguably more problems than Brighton has? So he wouldn't be the top of my list. If he does come here, you know, I like everybody else, I hope he smashes it and we turn everything around. But I, I don't get that. <laughs> I love Daniel, but Take I don't really understand. Penguins are dope, man. I love Dude, I love this is the most Daniel. random, awesome comment I can't fly. We went and saw – Jake and I saw some penguins in the um, – let's see, if you're listening to this, you're like, how did that tangent – Jared was on such a <laughs> – Yeah, if you're not there, on the video, a you're really lost. Daniel, Daniel Robert, in case you don't know, Bird Leno made an appearance on the marathon. Yeah, we – uh, Brilliant. Oh, he yeah, saved me from getting shut out of the guessing player game, so – <laughs> the uh, yeah the pe- pe- we saw the penguins down at uh, SeaWorld uh, you know a couple weeks ago and it was fantastic. It's freezing cold in there, but Wait. Well, hey, hold, hold on, Garrett. Let's talk about penguins real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jared is far too intelligent for this podcast. Yeah, but- no, I, I understand what you're saying, Jared. Right, I do. I, I understand when it when, when we talk about the availability, the coach wanting to come, but nobody can tell me that Arsenal still don't have some sort of pull up and power number two mm-hmm. managers are e- egotistical people people always think that they are the one to come in and remedy a situation and be the hero that everybody wants right so that that'll fall into, into play and say for example we're, we're only using graham potter as an example because it's somebody we're talking about arsenal have the ability and the pull and power to go and just take him from brighton that, that that's the way football works and they could do that with numerous coaches throughout put numerous in his suitcase on his way <clears throat> yeah just drag him to the head no but it's um but but for me it's not an excuse to saying that oh, it's difficult to replace a manager that doesn't mean that we should settle for mediocrity and and, and below standard performances uh, by I agree. something that clearly clearly isn't working yeah, no, I, I agree with that point completely. And I'm not opposed to if there's somebody that checks all three of those boxes we can get. I, I'm all for it. I don't think that based on what we've seen, I don't think and there's I understand where some people are still Arteta in, but I don't think anybody would hold a position that it's not a justifiable move if he was sacked based on everything we've seen over the last 18 months. We haven't seen improvement. We finished eighth again. Um, we started this season in absolute shambles. I think I tweeted that after the game. I, I didn't think it was possible for a team to go into such a downward spiral after one game. But when you go out there completely uninspired, look the way we do, lose to a newly promoted side, and have two of your best players refusing to play, you're in a pretty bad spot. Mm-hmm. All that being said, I think someone said it earlier, You know, the, the responsibility lies at the top. And we look a lot of times at our problems as going from the players up when really it should be from the ownership down. It's the ownership's responsibility to put good management in place. It's management's responsibility to 
scout quality players and do all of that. And that's an area where I think we're extremely deficient. If someone asked me, what do I think is the biggest problem at Arsenal? Because obviously we have more than one. It's the modeling we use to identify talent and bring in players. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, just, just as an example, top of my head, people have linked Dominic Calvert-Lewin. They say, we should go get him. He's a really good striker. He would help us out. I agree he's a good player. And would we be marginally better with him than without him? I think the answer is yes. But going out and spending $70 million on a top-class English striker isn't the modeling Arsenal should be using to improve. If you're, you look at Manchester City, Manchester United, and Chelsea, they go out and buy the best player in each position every single summer. We can't try and emulate their model to a lesser degree and expect to be successful and beat them. You can't go out and buy one $70 million player when they do that for every position. Our focus should be more of, I mean, and this is me personally, I'm an analytics, I'm kind of a sports data type of guy, so it kind of falls more into my area that, that I'm interested in. We Just should be simple, you're, you're an American. You're smart. <laughs> you're right. We should be on a sabermetrics model that, and I know all the teams have analytics departments now, but it should be more of a focus for Arsenal in a way that it isn't for those teams because they have the luxury of not having to do that. They can just buy all the top talent and so avoid doing DNA all of that work. To be then? What's that? What was stats DNA supposed to be then? Well, we need to do something like that, but to a more effective degree. The, the way you get better if you're not a team that has a huge spending power is you have to be able, I mean, this is a commodities game, essentially. You need to look at it from an economic standpoint and look for inefficiencies in the market where you can identify players that aren't necessarily the best players available, you know, in terms of they're not the Jack Grealishes, but they are the players that outperform and have a slightly higher value in reality than their perceived value in the market. And signing multiple players like that's how you build a team that's going to be successful and potentially outperform what you would think when you look at them on paper, you, you have been to, three or four clubs in the Premier League who have done that to perfection in the last but, five years. Yes, exactly. Maybe leads, but not Brentford even now. that. It, it, if I didn't it, support it, Arsenal, I'd be a Brentford fan, be, and not uh, just because they beat us. It's because they're brilliant at it. It's it's what their ownership does. The guy is a is an analytics guy. He came from a sports gambling and sports betting background, and that's what he does. And they've done it brilliantly. When you look at I mean, who they had? Ali Watkins was there. They they've had a number of players. Um, ben Rama. These are guys that yeah, they ben bought Rama, in, Raya. had success with, and then sold for ten times or more than ten times what they paid for them. So it's not that it's 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 possible to do. It's extremely difficult. You've got to get a lot of really smart people in place who are able to do that. But it is possible. And if you don't have the spending power of those teams, you have to look to a different model to succeed because you're not going to beat them at their own game when you're playing it to a lesser degree, I guess is what I'm trying but, to but, say. But, but would, and this is, uh, I'm not sure what way to put this across, but so you mentioned there about trying to keep up with Man United and, and Chelsea in terms of uh, we can't compete with them in terms of the, 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 the volume of output we can assign to each individual signing. But mm-hmm. yet, as much as I like him, again, I'll say this here, and I, th- and I think it's quite a, a smart sign in, in the long run, um, you can't help but criticise the fact that we're in the midst of the Premier League season already. We have, haven't have taken in any upgrade at right-back. We haven't taken in any upgrade in, in our starting eleven for, for centre midfield. We've got no number 10. We've got no backup goalkeeper. 
Yet we spent 50 million quid on, on, on Ben White. You know, we went from being linked with Locatelli, Ruben Neves, Yves Basuma, to handing a guy who obviously wants to leave a contract extension. You know, when we talk about the process, I'm, I'm not sure what is the fucking process because to me it seems like stupid decision after stupid decision. Can, you know, can I, can uh, I translate this into a question for Mikey? Yeah. Um, because it's along the same lines. And by the way, with, with each additional piece of clothing I put on, do I look more and more like an Orthodox Jew? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't do this podcast on Friday night looking like this. All right. Uh, so, Mike, truck about the process. The people that I am most concerned with believing in the process are not Dan and Owen and Jared and Mikey and Andy and all of that. It's, 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 uh, Ben and Kieran and Bakayo and Emil. Um, and the question I was going to ask Jared 20 minutes ago, but now I'm going to, I'm going to put it on you, Mike is, um, you know, do, are you, because Mike, you mentioned how the moment it became clear that Emery, the players were either downing tools or just confused or, you know, preferred mockery of, of, of their coach rather than to follow him that was the time for, that, that it became untenable for him to stay, no matter what the requirement, no matter what fifth place, no matter what Europa League final, none of that matters anymore when you have a team that won't play for you. And as I was talking in, a, in one of our kind of Twitter group chats earlier today, you can, you know, you could see as bad as we were last year, even in 15th, that, you know, other than the click that we pretty much wiped out of there, you had a group of people who were the future of Arsenal, who really seemed to buy into Arteta and a, and a plan and a process. And so I said, as long as this seems to be the case, I will too. I'm start. Are you starting to see some signs that, uh, that, that, that there might be some chinks in the armor of, of the, of the team believing in the process? So I look, so I do. And, and I, I know that the word process has become like a, like an ongoing joke at this point. Right. <laughs> But I do believe there's an active attempt, a process, if you will, within the club to correct the balance and the age profile of our squad. We went from having a lot of older players and to the last two seasons substantially making it way younger, right? Everybody we've been linked, linked to this season has been way younger. I know that Ben White is, is a bit of a controversial figure, but uh, in my opinion, he's essentially replacing David Luiz, who was pretty much factually our best defender last season. Will and Saliba, I don't even want to touch that with a 10-foot pole because I could only assume there's way more going on with that situation than simply Arteta woke up one day, saw this guy that could clearly be a center, a center back, a quality center back, and said, I don't like you on a personal level, so I'm just not going to play you. I find it difficult to to get there. So I do believe there's a process now, and this process will culminate and potentially end without Arteta. And so this this is where I'm going with this. One thing that you mentioned, though, I, I do want to point out, you mentioned Tierney, Saka, Oneni, um, not Oneni, Tierney, Emil Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe. Smith. They all they all sign contract extensions other uh, under this process this is a key fundamental very easily easy thing that nobody else was doing at our club for whatever fucking reason they they just decided we're gonna we're gonna leave it and then the the club fell into a really bad hole with a lot of like prissy 
people that were like money over playing time and stuff and like the ozil thing happened so here's here's the process as i see it mikey there is a process of, of systematically weeding out these bad eggs and yes that potentially could include Aubameyang. and i i truly believe i know that when when people mention Conte, right? I keep on bringing that because that's the one name that keeps on floating around because he's a free agent right now. I truly believe that Arsenal Football Club is a more appealing project to a top manager next seat next summer. I'm not saying, hey guys, let's keep Arteta no matter what happens, and then I'm not saying that. I'm simply stating if we look at the work that Edu and Arteta together have put in. They've signed only players under 24 that are considered fairly talented. I mean, Tavares, he was bought to be a, 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 a backup. So it's not like we're going to buy a, a world-class left back to compete with, with Tierney. We're just not in that position yet. We're not Chelsea, right? Chelsea buys players and just stocks by all of them. So if you look at our squad overall, A, way younger. B, all of the young, massive talent that we have are on the long-term contracts right now. C, next summer, even if we cannot pay them to leave this window, Kalasinek is, is running down his contract. No more Kalasinek, no more Lacazette. Aubameyang is going to be – Aubameyang in – I'm thinking about one more. I'm sorry. Aubameyang and one more player on really high wages. William, thank you, Bulgarian Guno. He just mentioned it. William and Aubameyang will be the last of their kind. So, look – William, there's one more. There's one more that you're not. You're, you're not including. Am I, am I missing one, Mike? Yeah, someone who just signed a goddamn contract. Today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, no, I, you can, know, can I? Can I? Can I use, my views on that. Sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll just let's have a segment on that. I know we're, okay. we're already. At an oh, okay, hour. okay. So have a segment on I, that. All, all I'm saying is, right now. I I do believe that there's a systematic process to correct the series of fuckery that took <laughs> a decade to lead up to this. This is not me defending. Edu, who who knows how to man a grill, which I love to barbecue, and I'm not defending Arteta by saying this, but there is a series of fucked up events, including transfer fees, letting player after player after player go for free, and we are now only looking at correcting that. Like Holding, I'm not saying Rob Holding is a, is a world beater, but Rob Holding would have one or two years left on his contract. He's mid-20s. And he's English, and you and you're complaining by a contract extension for him. him you no, have no. to do this. Him this no. is what Liverpool's been doing. This is what Liverpool's been doing. Can I and jump so, in? I, 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 going into I, I, the Shaka thing, uh, is that where you're headed? My um, oh, no, 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 no. I was going to touch in on, on on just a couple of things that you mentioned there, all right? And it was and it was to do with with the players that you mentioned, uh, Emil Smithrow. Emil Smith-Rowe, Bakayo Saka, Kieran Tierney, players like this, Gabriel Martinelli, who have signed contracts under Mikel Arteta. And to me, right, this goes back to when I was a kid playing football, right? And it was, if I had a manager and he was doing poorly, I, 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 never, went, I never wanted that manager to be let go because we had failed him. We felt a personal responsibility to protect that manager and his reputation, and we wanted to play for him. Any mistakes that were made, we brought it on board to ourselves to say that we are going to correct those mistakes. They're not your fault. And to me, they're good characteristics to have. And that shows with the likes of Kieran Tierney, Bakayo Saka, and Emile Smith-Rowe. Now, just because, and this is what I get, see when people say that has he lost the dressing room yet, or he hasn't lost the dressing room yet, 
just because he hasn't lost the dressing room doesn't necessarily mean that he's the best thing for the dressing room. Okay, so like he might be their best mate. They might think that life is easy under Mikel Arteta. There may be players there that think they're that they're getting good player playing time more than they maybe get somewhere else. So they're probably reluctant to see this guy move on. Um, another thing as well I would touch on is there, like you've mentioned, there's some players that want to play for him. But you can't also overlook the fact that, okay, we can say whether what has, we don't know what is going on behind the scenes, but that swings both ways when we talk about players like Matteo Ganduzzi, like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, like uh, William Saliba. These players that it almost seems that once you wrong Mikel Arteta, you're done, you're gone. He, he You know, that's you out of his plans completely. And that's just not sustainable to, to do that. We all know that, especially in modern day of football, the majority of players are, are somewhat egotistical. And to just say that you're casting aside financial assets because you don't like them for five minutes of your of your life, and that's Wasn't them that done and gone. Deal as well, though. I'm yeah, yeah. But look how fast Jose Mourinho went through clubs. You know, yeah. one, two, three seasons. And and I think as Arsenal fans coming off of this hangover of this prolonged period with Arsene Wenger and, and trying to recover from it. We'll have this thing in our head that we're, oh, we, we're not going to be like some sort of whore of football that take in a different manager every season and and and, and sack them every time something goes wrong. But the, the honest answer is, if you ever think that we're going to have a, a manager with that sort of length of stint at, at Arsenal Football Club, you're living in fucking dreamland. That doesn't happen in modern football. Expect two, three, four, five years max and then rotate. And there's no shame in turning around and saying... A, but we need a manager that's going to outperform our ownership. All those clubs that cycle people back and forth, their ownership out, outperforms their manager. And our and, and our situation is flipped. Yeah, is yeah. But, but, but that's not an impossible task. Like you, you look at like Rafa Benitez at Newcastle. You know, massively per owner, I can guarantee you that you can go and talk to any Newcastle fan about Mike Ashley and they'll think 10 times worse of him than we do of KSE. But yet a manager was able to get a decent amount out of that squad. And what I'm saying is I, I can guarantee you that Mikel Arteta could go to Barcelona, well, maybe not anymore, PSG, say now, uh, 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 and get a fine tune out of that group of players. But the, the uh, but the reality of it is is that our resource pool, our talent pool doesn't stretch as far as those clubs. So whilst they think that Mikel Arteta may have the potential to go on to become a good manager in the future, I just don't think that he's the right fit for Arsenal at this moment in time. Well, and it certainly seems to be headed that way. Jared, do you think? I mean, do you see the threat for? For a dressing room that suddenly, I mean, the most influential players in the team see a couple things. They, I mean, and 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 the thing I kept thinking about is I totally agree and and have agreed with you about the contract extensions being a good sign and flushing out the the trash and bring and keeping them the new. But maybe, maybe these contract extensions are going to be are looked at now by these guys as as you know pay bumps and promises of, of release clauses and you know you can leave in two years if, if if things don't go this way i mean we don't know what was said along with these contracts to get these guys to sign because if things don't work out all of a sudden you've got a power base in this core that is like on a sinking ship uh so jared i mean i mean do you see any potential signs and i know I think we'll know more in about two weeks and, and then the international break when they all go off to, to be with their mates who are with successful clubs. 
But like, do you think that the dressing room could be lost by by early to mid September, leading into that Spurs game? That Spurs game at the end of the month. I think the one thing that works in our favor with having so many young guys is you have guys who just made it into the Premier League that are love Arsenal. They're Arsenal guys have finally reached their dream of coming from the academy, and you know Saka and Smith Rowe. Um, not an academy guy, but a guy like Tierney. It was kind of his dream move. I remember when someone asked him if he had been around London and he said he hadn't even explored it. He said, I came to Arsenal for the football club. I didn't come to Arsenal to live in London. Like He, he doesn't care about that. So we have a number of guys that are key figures in Smithrow, Saka, and Tierney that I think are positive enough about the situation. They've all just signed contract extensions. I think they're going to kind of balance it out to where it's not a complete you know, 180 on Mikel where everybody is moving the other direction. But I think it is going to be some somewhat difficult situations if we don't move out some of these guys. It just kind of starts to fester, especially when the team's playing poorly. You know, if you're going out and winning games, it really doesn't matter. Everyone's kind of going to be okay no matter what. But if there's any little bit of tensions and you go out and lose three, four, five games in a row, it just exacerbates the problem so quickly that I think we would see another, you know, mass exodus and the January window, like we saw last year with Ozil, Mustafi, Kalazanak, that whole crew, we're going to end up seeing something similar if we don't either get it sorted out and start playing better quickly or take it the opportunity to move one or two guys out that could potentially be a problem this year. And even if you have to move them out and take back something lesser than what they're potentially worth, I think in some situations that ends up being a net positive if it you know kind of prevents some of those problems down the road. Uh, what, do we, what do we think as well about... Um, Sunday's game we're, we're coming up to Chelsea and uh, I've only maybe one other thing I want to ask you boys about but the, the, this is one, one of them um, the fans are coming back into the stadium are you concerned about what sort of atmosphere there's going to be uh, you know I've heard people even say that the, the divide could be that harsh that there could potentially be violence in the stands and, and, and stuff like that are you concerned about about the atmosphere around the fan base and what sort of light that could shine upon the club at the minute. I feel like there's a video incoming from Mike. <laughs> well, that, well, yeah. yeah, we can play that if, <laughs> if need be. Um, that was less than four years, or no, just over four years ago back in Palace, but that wasn't violence. That was just anger boiling over. And, and um, you know, at the time it was shocking, especially from, from the away fans. Uh, who tend to be far more – I mean, even as bad as things were before that game against Crystal Palace, um, the beginning of that game was pure out-and-out out support and singing and chanting, and it was only as the game went on and, and it was just a pathetic showing that it turned toxic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I don't think that there'll be rage and violence at the beginning of the game, but, my God, if we concede the first goal and if, we, if we're playing the ball out of the back and, and look clueless and – everyone's looking at each other with their arms up in the air when we concede the first four goals. Uh, it, I, I do fear that it could get pretty, pretty bad. And, and, you know, yeah, it'll be embarrassing, but it's almost like, you know, this is inevitable. Uh, this is what happens when your football club is a shambles and, and, uh, and, and yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. John is, um, is going to be there as a result of one of the greatest like positives about the Arsenal fan base that could possibly be there, which is that, People came flying to the uh, to the to the aid of of, of John's family friend uh, Max and and his father and John and his son and they're all going to be there at this game as a as a like a 
tribute to how the family gets together and supports each other. And they're probably going to see some things that they can't unsee. <laughs> and that's, that it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. And I, and, and John, I hope that you guys are uh, in like the, the family enclosure and at least insulated from some of it, but yeah, it, it could be pretty, pretty scary. Um, but uh, do you want me to throw out my one last thing? This is less, less uh, sort of damp and, and dreadful. <clears throat> Something I noticed as well, and I thought it was just for the the, the friendly, uh, the North That's London Derby. Now I'm Daniel. Yeah, um, no, I thought it was just for the North London Derby, but it's obviously um, sort of flooded into the Premier League, uh, the start of the Premier League campaign, um, which is sort of a few different changes with the referee and the officiating. There seems to be a lot more being let go, the physicality sort of being encouraged back into the league in a way. What do you suppose make of it? Did you pick up on it? Uh, I know I listened to an interview with, I forget which two referees it was, um, maybe Michael Oliver or something like that there, but they, they, they were saying that it's very much been instructed and and they're going to try and let the game flow a lot more Uh I know that when I was watching City and Spurs yesterday, they, they let a lot go and really encouraged physical really contact within that game. Tanganga. Oh, yeah, but Tanganga was absolutely boss and everybody, yeah. But do you suppose encourage it? Do you think it's maybe um, a little immature from the league to sort of encourage that physicality on some of these players with how much money's in the game now? Or, or do you think this just sort of benefits everybody? I'll, I'll jump in and just give a real quick short answer. I love it for the game. I think that's what makes the Premier League the Premier League. It's the most physical league in the world, and I think it adds to the game, and I love watching it. But as our long as it's around prior consistent. to this happening, it's just going to get worse. We have no physicality. That, that, that's where I'm at. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to cut across you, uh, Jared. Mike, Mike yeah. kind of pointed it out. It's just the consistency. That, that is literally mm -hmm. all I care about. Um, if you're just asking me, hey, Mike, do you like that they allow, you know, the game to play on more? Absolutely. Just allow, you know, allow the players to express themselves. You know, the shoulder on shoulder, it's, it tends to happen, you know, and uh, but it's consistency. It, that That's all it is, because if we see something as simple, like, OK, so not making I want to emphasize this again. I'm not making excuses, but the Brentford second goal. <laughs> we, we had this discussion on on, on a different podcast where. Look, you're on another I, podcast. I don't, I, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say. It. Um, you are not on another podcast. <laughs> not, not another, another Arsenal podcast. <laughs> no way. Um, there, you guys, you guys milked it out of me. Um, look, like that type of thing might happen in a different game, and two things might happen: a, the 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 they're going to call a penalty, or they're, I'm not a penalty. Sorry, they're gonna, they're going to stop the play in the goal when it's going to be valid, or b. The, the goalie is going to make a complete show out of it. And they're, they're going to be like, oh, you know, that's a foul. And these little things are the ones, the things that are just like driving me crazy. So I just hope that if a situation like this happens, again, some somebody's goal does not get rolled out over something something silly like this. That That's all I'm saying. Because Leno, Leno could have, you know, shoved a little. He could have made an effort to pull the arm out. I'm not saying like Leno. It's not like the guy had Leno like fucking choke on it, holding him or anything. No, so he, he no, had he the opportunity to get out of him. He, he I'm just hoping another game loser. when there's that level of contact, it's consistent. That that's the biggest issue with me and it, 
English Premier League drafts is the consistency. Yeah, and 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 I like I like it. And and again, if it's consistent, but you have teams that are softer than other teams, then at least that is a sporting disadvantage that you can mm-hmm. you know that you have to change yourself. It's not uh, we're going to let everyone kick around Bakayo Saka, but you know, and and elbow Pepe in the face and step on on uh, who was it that uh, Mustafi's dick. <laughs> who was it? Mustafi's the one who steps on Mustafi's dick most oh, times. Uh, Bruno Fernandez <laughs> stepped on somebody over it all the time. Was it Thomas Parde's leg or something like that last year? I mean, is that mm-hmm. you just can't let those things go and then and then penalize it in, in another word. But that's mm-hmm. that, again, we've been over that. Um, a couple quick topics that I'm going to kind of take over with before uh, before we try to wrap it up in the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, anyone watch the U23 game today against West Ham? I saw some score updates. I didn't get a chance to watch any of it. So at least we have a promising future because our U23s today went out and lost 6-0 uh, to, to West Ham's U23s, who recently had just lost 2-1 to Crawley Town. Uh, so there's that. And, uh, and, I, and I have some highlights that I'd like to share with you because tell me if you don't see a little bit of the senior club uh, in the play of the, let's call. Are we gonna get a copyright strike for this? Is, no. is this a playing out from the back? We don't clip? monetize, so so look. They can, oh they no, can... no, demonetize us, no. No, we don't. We Man, don't I need that dollar. So, I need that dollar. Tell me, tell me if you uh, if you see any commonalities here with the playing from the back and the not playing 50-50 balls. So uh, here's a little a little display. We'll start with the first goal. <laughs> Was that, one. was that holding out in any and and uh, <laughs> I mean the, the number no. the number eight number eight doing this was like prime Mustafi like <laughs> whoever's in charge of that group not as the coach but like as the director I mean he must be really per all right um sec, second goal that now they went the rest of the first half without conceding so at this point we're looking pretty damn good against one of you know one of the best squads in the in the world. <laughs> Now the scorer of that goal, number eleven, I, I I can't think of his name right now. Someone in the chat can put it up. Making his debut for for the West Ham U twenty threes after uh, beginning his youth career at Arsenal. So uh, that was his first of of, of of a hat trick in his debut that he scored against us. So uh, so, so yeah, nice nice possession there. Third goal. <laughs> Now, that's not even that's not a conclu. That's not Heim. That's not Leno. That's not uh, Emmy Martinez. That's not Runnerson. That's um, a Jehers, I think. So we're down to like our our ninth string keeper. But is this supposed to make to, us feel better? He's already no, but because he's already picked up on how Arteta wants to play. <laughs> Did you see that? I, when, I love that. I love that. Finally, make it back to the keeper. You're like, okay, well, you know. 
they all look like they were about to lose the ball in possession, but at least now we have a chance to clear it. And Dude, I don't know what I may, may, what I was thinking about when watching that. It was like, is Alex Runnerson playing for the under nines? Where, where is <laughs> He uh, well, he's Leo Messa's personal uh, personal bodyguard in the United States. He, he Rodderson makes the tea for the guy that makes the coffee. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so it's three 0 at this point. We got we got a great chance of of, of equalizing because you know, as as you all know, the senior team went down three 0 against West Ham last year and came back and and drew. So things are going to be great. <laughs> There's your second goal from the ex-Arsenal uh, stud, who I think we we are now going to pay 45 million pounds to get back. I mean, at least there was a beautiful through ball that started that move for him. It wasn't calamity beginning to end. But I, well, I saw Sebi's comment. counterattack. I just didn't start the video as to where we lost the <laughs> possession. <laughs> it's, um, it's really refreshing that we're con- consistent. We're just consistently shite. And, and and I'm gonna actually play that music now throughout the entirety of every 90 minutes of football that I watch from Arsenal this season. Is this true, Chris? Yeah, I I just I I just went on Twitter and I just confirmed it. Hey, we're I'm I'm calling Chris and, and it's a doubt over here. Like, no, I don't believe Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the Daily Mail. Is that is that John Cross? Because you know, uh, that, look, this kind of news point. usually isn't bullshit. It's it's usually transfer. So yeah, I, I kind of I mean. I wish it would have been cancelled. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> but but uh, how does that play? How does that play a part? Unless they were all anally examined by a fucking fist. Like, how does that affect the performance? The COVID test doesn't cause you to not play well on the pitch. I mean, like not passing the COVID test might. And what <laughs> Owen just described, I can tell you firsthand that that has an impact. Uh, but um, you know. At least we ended up seeing this. There's your hat trick from number 11. How was this all from one game? (laughs) Who was on goal? The was second, that on call? No, no, it was okay. uh, it, some Edja Harris or something like that. I believe that I've never seen before, um, from what I could tell from the from the thing. But the second through six goals were all within about twenty minutes of each other. Like it just that that just makes the clown show even more. But I think I think the goal we just showed is like the most Arsenal goal, uh, where you can. I, I mean, they just it, it had a, a poor per play out from the back, <laughs> poor the on purest. possession weakness goalie scrambling out of position like oh my god they're they're about to cross the ball in it was everything you could possibly want and then of course to finish it off What the fuck was that, man? That's prime. I got that ball right there. That was from a corner kick. I didn't didn't get the corner in there, but basically when that video starts, they had just taken the ball from the corner. It was a corner kick. So, yeah, that was a... uh, 
We've got that a request. We've got a request here from Daniel Robert. Can we at least see our goal? <laughs> That's the only one Mikey didn't save. Honestly, I turned it off in the 88th minute. Unless we scored after the 88th minute, I I, I don't think we scored a goal, but I could have that wrong. It's like a fucking Laurel and Hardy movie, that. That is just (laughs) calamitous. I mean... I understand that these are these are youth players, uh, but you know Aziz was in there, Norton Cuffey was in there, Rekic was in there, Cottrell was in there, um, you know Aziz, like I said, and and uh, they had they had two senior players, they had Yarmolenko and Lanzini, so that must have been the difference in why we can't play the ball out from the back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this no. is this is my favorite thing. Sizing at least the six was better than the others. That, that's like when I said yeah. on a pod a few months ago that that our losses were better than they used to be. <laughs> Which got you no backfire. I knew going in that was going to get me hammered, hammered as Alan says. Um, all right, so as long as we're you know as long as we're talking about the future, we have a brand new future that goes till at least 2024, maybe 2025, with the greatest leader of all time uh granite jaca and oh, um, please pull up that quote where which is that quote? quote which one i'll try and send it to you with her i'll okay. send it to you mike on whatsapp you go ahead the um yeah the 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 leadership is so good that he wanted to go to roma that now look i supported the concept of extent of 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 not selling him to roma especially to that jose Mourinho. Uh, for 12 million pounds, if that was what we're being offered, or 14 million, or whatever it was. I mean, at least get 20 for the guy, and don't keep cuckolding yourself to other teams when it comes to transfer. So I'm fine with that. But then we're, give, we're giving him all the money instead. <laughs> we're literally, over the next four years, if, it's to, if, if, the, if the pay rise is to be believed, and I haven't seen it absolutely confirmed, but if he's getting a pay rise of about 30 grand a week, 25, 30 grand a week, we are literally giving him over the next four years the six million pounds that we sacrificed uh, that we didn't want to let Roma get off the, the hook for. And you know that this ends any discussion about Basuma. It ends any discussion about anybody else. It ends any discussion about Lakanga playing in his place when when um, when when Partey's back and fit. And frankly, if the rumors about Aubameyang possibly leaving during this window are true. Does anyone think that Tierney's going to be made captain above Granite Jaka? No. no. I mean, kill me now, please. Jared. He's back. The captain <laughs> is back. <laughs> I sent you that, Mike, on yeah. WhatsApp and Twitter. Is, is that a true quote, Owen? I am, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm on it right now, Mikey. Bonkers. All right. I'm All right, pretty thank sure you. it is. So that. as far as the Jaka thing, I don't like it in that I wanted center midfield to be our number one priority this summer. I thought was the, that was should have been job one. Oh, before. that's center not a real back, quote. I saw that too. Know. That's not a real quote. Yeah, any of that. It stuff. is, Mike. Mike, it is. Le- leave it up. Hey, I just want to just chat room. Either so someone you know. read that out or put it, it on the screen. Look, no, there's it's a not name allowing me. It's not allowing me. Hear me out. It's not allowing I'm, me because we can't have more than one hundred images. I, I got it. I got it taken care of. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> All right, keep going, Jared. I'll get I'll get the quote up. Oh. So the jacket thing I, I don't like because I wanted to replace that position first. I thought it was most important. Given that we didn't fill it, and given that we haven't been able to sell him for less than what he's worth, 
I understand not wanting him to be down to one year on his contract next summer when we go to sell him because he's going to be completely devalued. I think their idea is that with the extension at the end of next season, he'll still have two years left on his deal. And then hopefully what's an improving COVID or in that case, hopefully non COVID market, we may actually get more for him than the 12 or 13 million we could have gotten this summer. So all in all, I don't like it, but I think that's the logic they're using given that they couldn't sell him and haven't replaced him. He has creativity though. Yeah, uh, for the audio listeners, I'll, I'll let Feinberg read this out for you. This is a direct quote from Granite Jacket confirmed. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to read it like you. Once mom sent me to the shops to buy butter. <laughs> they only had salted butter, so I bought unsalted butter and salt. I knew then I was very, very creative. <laughs> it's like a mix of a Russian and a Southern American accent. I, I don't even know what that was. I don't was. know what that was. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what that was, but but uh, that's how I envisioned Granite. It Jacket was poor. Yeah, it's like like one of the Duke brothers fucked. Um, uh, what do you call that Russian dick? Uh, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about our Shavin for a second. No, 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 no. Yeah, all right. Yeah. It's I've been on the podcast for a week, and you're interrupting me every opportunity you possibly can get. Just the way this works. That's how it works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been emotional, but it should be uh, take some questions. Oh, there's Jake Feinberg in the chat. He he's doing his best to 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 stop our depression about Arsenal by bringing it up to uh, Mbappe replacement. I, I don't think anything about that. I'm far. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm 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 putting all of my focus behind Sutton United at this point, so I don't have time for little tin pot clubs like uh like uh that that Saint Germain club. Um, so yeah, so there, so let's let, let me just talk about one more thing, and then we will wrap up. Uh, Gunners versus Cancer, obviously, still going on. Believe it or not, Gunners versus Cancer has more phases to it than like the process that Arsenal's going through. But these have been successful. We've just finished the twenty-four hour podcast, which was like one of the my favorite things that has ever occurred. It was so amazing, fun, supported. Thank you to everybody that tuned in for parts of it. We're gonna we're gonna chop up the video into little segments, little bite-sized segments so that, uh, so you can watch any, you know, particular segment you want without having to watch the whole 24 hours, 24 hours, uh, as Owen would say, but, but, uh, we are entering the new phase with the Guna raffle where we're going to be putting up about a dozen really cool prizes to bid on. Everyone who's already donated is entered into it. So you don't have to worry that you like, didn't get a, you know, you donated to this, but you're not being part of this. Uh, so you don't have to donate again if you've already donated. Obviously, if you want to, you're more than welcome to. But uh, but stay tuned to GoonersVCancer.com in the next couple days for more details on that. We're at about $15,000 raised for this summer. We're going to try to push to twenty five if we can. And um, it'll just make for a great year. And uh, so the promo video for that, which I want to play because uh, – Again, I got I got people to do things that I that normally I would not have been able to get to to do things. This is the promo video for Gunners versus Cancer, and uh, and once this is over, we'll say our goodbyes. Hey Gunners, this is Alan Smith. This is Kevin Campbell. Lee Dixon. It's Colin Lewin. It's Gary Lewin. Charles Watts. Dan Potts. James Benj. Stanley. Tom from the Gunners Talk here. Ryan Oakcastle. Simon Collins. You may know me from the Evening Standard. You may know me from my time at Arsenal. You may know me from Arsenal or even the Hybrid Squad. I'm a bird cat one's land. Being that physio set on the bench next to Arson with my rubber gloves on. The former Arsenal physio.
the Emirates press box, from writing, from Twitter. From Goal.com, from Twitter, from YouTube. Football is the beautiful game and it brings us all together. Sometimes there are things even more important than wins and losses. And yes, even transfers. Every 30 seconds, someone in this world gets diagnosed with blood cancer. The Leukaemia and Lymphoma Society works towards curing blood cancers and provides support to families currently dealing with these diseases. Gunas vs Cancer was started in 2017 by a lifelong Guna who lost his father to leukaemia way too young. Over the last five years, Gunas v Cancer has raised over $50,000 for the Leukaemia and Lymphoma Society. And we need your help to match that in 2021. Every donation helps. Every donation helps. Every donation helps. Every donation helps. No matter the size. And every donation enters you into the Guna raffle. We have a great chance to win amazing Arsenal prizes, including game tickets, stadium tours, signed men and women's shirts. And maybe a retro signed shirt by yours truly, Lee Dixon. Me, yours truly. Yours truly. Super kicker. So much more. It's easy to take part. Just go to www.gunasvcancer.com and donate directly to the charity. Pick the raffle prizes you want to enter to win and wait for the drawings at the end of the campaign. Again, that's www.gunasversuscancer.com. We all know that victory grows out of harmony. Victory grows out of harmony. Victory grows out of harmony. With your help, we'll be victorious against blood cancer once and for all. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your support. Thank you. For your support that last part like i feel like i'm running for congress or something like that it's thank like, you you for have your my support america it wasn't it wasn't creepy at all mike no it was i, I that was like, like three o'clock in the morning and i edited out the part where i said thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support um <laughs> i feel so, like yeah, this question is very important mike. Uh, thank you to Danny, who's in the chat. The only one of that video I, who I think is in the chat for being nude during the video. Uh, that was much appreciated. Uh, and he also has a question for, for Jake, which is if you could have one of either Ian Kime. Who's Kime? Mike. Oh, okay. Mike. <laughs> We've just learned about a, a particular affliction that Danny this, this is where dyslexia actually yeah, becomes a strength. really helps you out. Kime or Jared as your new dad, as Mike was in prison for killing Andy, who would you pick? Um, that's a good question. I'll just open the door and shout to him. Yeah, just, just, just open the door Jack. and tell me. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I appreciate all the support. Uh, it's going to get fun. And I think Monday after the Chelsea game, if Ant I mean, I think Andy's going to show for that one and he's going to bring his friend Serge, uh, who was on uh, with us last year before the season. A Chelsea supporter, yes, but an incredible fundraiser uh for for the leukemia and lymphoma society he in fact is actually currently going through the recovery process from cancer himself so uh he's a great guy and i hope you'll welcome on welcome him on despite the fact that he'll probably be lording over us about the six nil against chelsea that's just occurred uh anyone else have any final words mike you want to promote your other six podcasts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't mean to kill the camera there uh not another arsenal podcast uh, once a week podcast generally normally records Sunday night or Monday night or three, four AM UK time. So we're on YouTube. That was a loaded question. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. And I'm often joined by the wonderful Jared right over here, Chris and Kelly and my good friend, Sebi, uh, lots of fun. 
but yeah, uh, you can find me there every once in a while. And of course, right here in the Guna Podcast. All right, Jared, how, how are you? Uh, what have you been with us? Uh, four days now, five days? I mean, uh, how, how are you feeling about your decision? Or should I not ask that in public? <laughs> Filing suits already. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's been great. I love, if nothing else, the WhatsApp with all of the guys from the Gooners Pod is amazing. It's absolutely hilarious. It's great to be a part of. And yeah, looking forward to doing a lot more shows with you guys in the coming year. Hopefully, we'll have some more positive things to talk about, but I'm really not confident that's going to be happening. Yeah, that's uh well, and 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 yes, John, if 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 you're if you want to stay with us after going to the match on Monday and let us know what the experience was, we'd love the the kind of local correspondent angle. Uh so uh ping me and remind me of that and we'll we'll definitely bring you on for a segment. Um Owen, thank you for uh for leading the show today. Ah, it was miserable. Um, in response to it, I would just like to sort of um, promote myself to Jake as his new father, if that's okay, just before we go. Just before we go. Jake, know that whilst Mike Hernandez has the experience of having about 80 children, um, and, and, and Jared is probably the more well-spoken and financially stable guy, but I would be the one that, I would not only encourage you and let you, I would also join you in, in, in taking numerous illegal substances. Um, I would let you drink alcohol. And, and, and again, I wouldn't only age you, I would take part in acquiring you with female companions. So I think that we're like a uh, match, match made in heaven. So, yeah, hit me you were, up. You were losing them until you got to the female part. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like you know at the end of the movie Matilda, where the little uh, Danny DeVito adopts or gives the little girl up for adoption. You're Danny DeVito, and I'm like that sort of hot female teacher, but not a female. Um, and I'm gonna adopt <laughs> your kid. Oh, oh yeah, and the pool table too. Yeah, and right. yeah, I have a pool table. Yeah. He notice how he doesn't say who it is. He just says he knows now. All right, I think this. I think. Uh, uh, Fighting over Jake's purchasing of children custody. should be where we leave yeah. off this. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. I don't know how the, we got uh, here, but we got thank here. You for the, the, the 40 to 50 strong that, that were joining us at uh, throughout most of the pod tonight. We hope to see you again after Chelsea. Uh, we will be doing a uh, more than likely doing a uh, an open mic show after the game. This one's a little earlier. It's not that 11 o'clock p.m. Uh, UK stuff. So uh, so come to GoonerOpenMic.com if you want to have your say on anything at all after the game. Uh, John, that might well, you'll probably be on your way back, but uh, but yeah, so hopefully they'll surprise us when things are darkest for Arsenal. Sometimes they pull out the uh, the absolute greatest uh, performances that we've ever seen. But uh, my final word, as always, is 